Okay, folks, so in this SFN Volume 1 Anthology interview, we have a best-selling author who's well-known for his Arsenal superhero series. And he's also been a guest on the show. And we were actually going through our this old scribes, I guess you would call it, to see when we <laughs> when that happened. That was actually three years ago. So, yeah, not feeling old at all whatsoever <laughs> but uh yeah we i had the pleasure of having jeffrey h haskell on the show with us yet again and he has the butcher of origin and the sfn volume one anthology so jeff well welcome back thank you Raphael. i appreciate it i love being on your show love talking to you guys yeah it's always a lot of fun it because um disclaimer uh thank you jeff for being back on here again because this is our second attempt <laughs> at having this interview because uh the first one uh we were having some uh, issues with the audio so i was just like ah no i can't I, we can't put this on the web i can't do jeff like that so yeah th- thanks again for uh you know taking some time out just scheduled again to to do a take two first you know it's funny you talk about being old i've got some teenage, two teenage kids and mm-hmm. i started using words i don't know oh don't <laughs> just like and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> the first time in my life i've ever felt old was when my kids said yeet for the first time and i'm like what's a yeet? i don't even <laughs> i don't know i still couldn't explain it to you i, oh, I honestly um, don't know it's it's kind of hard to how would i describe it well, in most cases, it's like when you're throwing something a really, really far distance. It's from what I pick up. I'm going to have to ask my niece to clarify and confirm that. But usually when I'm watching people like play games or, or do something very, very like out of the norm or they're just almost, well, I guess it's almost like yellow 2.0. Look, the, look at the cool thing I did. Yeah. 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 And they're just like, oh, yeet. <clears throat> So, for any, what's that? Where, where the what's the generation behind me? Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for for any of you guys out there, if I did butcher that uh, description of it, I thoroughly apologize. I'm an old millennial, so I, I'm I'm trying to do what I can with these interpretations. There. Going back to what you're saying, I'll never forget when my niece, who's she she's not as not much younger than me compared to like a lot of people who have like nieces and nephews and stuff because my brother's like a lot older but um she was texting me one time she was like hey uncle i was like hey kiddo what's up she's like nothing and then she was like w r u u2 and i kind of just looked at it for a quick second and then i just i was like um okay don't say anything just text your brother aka her dad and be like yo uh mel um, Princess just texted me this. What does this mean? <laughs> is this a Star Wars reference? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember these type of droids in that in those episodes. And so I was like, oh, she's asking where are you up to? I was like, oh. ah. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I'm Gen X, so um, I don't care. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. You got easy. Man. Yeah. Just, I was like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing our own thing over here. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Jeff, well, why don't you tell us about the premise behind the Butcher of Orson? Well, the Butcher of Orson. Orson. Sorry, dang it. You know what? You corrected me the last time we did this, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, so a little peek behind the curtain. I wanted to do elves and or- orcs in space, but I 
I'm not a fan of mixing the genres. You know, um, space fantasy is all fine and good. Love people who do it. You know, like Chris Fox, he's great. I am not a fan of space fantasy, so uh, I created a system by which I would have elves, Alfies, and orcs, Orson, in space. And so uh, the the Orson are all big, brutish, uh, really physically strong uh, race of uh, workers, basically, that the Alfies have enslaved uh, in the book. Alfies, elves, because elves are always pompous asses, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, uh, and um, so, yeah, so that's, that's the backdrop of the Butcher of Orson, where you have this race of intergalactic elves who basically own the Earth, uh, not through conquest or, or invasion, but they just rolled in and they bought it. You know, they bought up all the governments and all the land, and next thing you know, it's not the United States anymore. It's the Alfie, you know, Company X. I forget the name of the company that runs the United States. but And so they like humans because humans, uh, they're genetic, uh, they're easily genetically modified, whereas the Orson are an old species, so that's hard for them to, uh, they don't accept genetic modifications easily. And so they start recruiting, hum- Alfie start recruiting humans to battle, do their battles for them to, to win their wars. And with no more earthly military, because the countries are all dissolved, and, and this is only like 2050, so it's not like that's far in the future. Mm-hmm. My idea was is that it was, it was like, how would aliens really invade? Because it wouldn't be like Independence Day. Well, why would it? Yeah. Why waste all that resources to, that you need to get here? Just to risk it on some battle with some apes, when you could just be like, hey, here's an asteroid full of gold. Your planet's ours now. Yeah. And if you think about the way... Uh, Conquests always happen yep. on Earth yep. Yep. throughout yep. history. Whenever a species like you know, exactly. whenever the like the the you know, uh, um, what are those people in Mesopotamia? Um, Assyrians would roll into an area, you know, or 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 um, you know, the English or the Spanish or whatever, you know, you know, you're like, here's some shiny trinkets. Can I give me all your land? And you do because you can't conceive of the value of what you have. And so the story follows the this one guy from Okinawa, Japan, Hiro, and he, uh, you know, and yes, it's from uh, uh, Heroes. Oh, Heroes, yeah, <laughs> love that man. Just, I, I, that was my favorite character on Heroes, and I was like, and his name is Hero. It's so great, right? But it's H I R O, not H E R O. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, he's recruited into the Alfie military at a young age, and and it, when the story starts, he's you know in his forties, and he's just and he's just he's just about done. And the the story is about how he and um, his uh, psychic, so to speak, uh, meet and uh, end up leaving the military and and going on their own way. Okay, so you pretty much went into really good detail about the uh, the Alfies and the relationship with humanity. So let's pick up right there about um, his sidekick, uh, Private Sage Meta. Mata, yeah. Okay. And um, so she assists him with his main objective in the story. And you're talking about a hero. He, he, he's an older soldier. He's more seasoned. And he he gripes about a lot of the practices in the military. But at the end of the day, at least at the very beginning, he still plays by the rules, more or less. Whereas Mata, she's a very stark contrast. So... <laughs> Care to uh, would you want to dis- uh, describe that brief yet dynamic partnership pairing that they have? 
Well, you know, like a lot of science fiction writers, I, I love Firefly. And uh, my favorite character on Firefly was Jane, the man they called Jane. Yeah. And uh, I love that character so much. I just want you to scare him. Don't don't kill him. Pain's scary, <laughs> you know? Uh, I was going to get me an ear, too. You know, and so that kind of... I, I, those two lines basically created Mata. Okay. Um, and, of course, she's a foil for Hero, which is what you need in a, in a book. You need a character who is basically the contrast to, to highlight your hero. And in this case, Hero, hero is, you know, he's up, honorable, upstanding, wants to do the right thing, you know, but he's forced into situations where there is no right thing. There's just, um, you go left, you go right, people die, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, and it sounds grim and, and nihilistic. It's not. It's just the life of a soldier. You know, yeah. sometimes we're conditioned by movies to believe that there's always a way out. There's always, you know, a right thing to do that everybody can make at home. And that's just that's not the case. Yeah. And, um, and so when they do finally get kicked out, they have this great relationship where, you know, a sage is willing to follow him to the earth ends of the earth and back. Um, and especially since she felt like he, following him will get her the ability to kill people and hurt them. You know, <laughs> and uh, Sage is a big uh, Samoan, and uh, I can't remember if I said this last time, but she's based off this drill sergeant I had in the in the army, or the first sergeant I had in the army. It was this huge Samoan dude, and uh, him and his wife were just—I'm six four, and the, and I was like a child next to these two people, oh, and so goodness. he actually picked somebody up who's about my size once with you know they have this vest called an LVE, load load bearing equipment, and he'd pick people up. He picked this guy up by the vest, and then he just dropped one hand and held him there, you know. And I'm just like, he was like, he wasn't seven feet tall. I was just 19, so it seemed like he was. But mm -hmm. you know, anyway. So that's her. And then of course, um, uh, when I pick names out for people, they always mean something, and they always have. They always have to be relevant to the the, the place in the world they're from. Um, and so, uh, for Sage is actually a really popular name in Samoa right now. A little popular girl's name. Okay. So, and then Mata is a is a surname, a common surname in, in Samoa. Okay. Uh, uh, I think it's called uh, American Samoa is the name of the country or place. Okay. Cool. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of cool. One of the fun things about being a writer, especially when you're writing contemporary stuff or post contemporary stuff, is all the research and all the learning about yes. the different places. You know. And, and, then, and then going back to Hiro uh, and the fact that he's from Okinawa, Japan, does his birthplace have uh, any significance to the certain decisions and acts made throughout the story um, in comparison to a character who might be from the quote-unquote traditional? Well, I mean, does your birthplace have an effect on the decisions you make in life? Oh, without a doubt. So yeah, answers. right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, Okinawa is very different than Japan. Uh, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination on Eastern cultures or Asian, you know, peoples. Um, I just know a little bit. And Okinawa is very different than Japan. They're more okay. traditional. Okay. Um, I picked Okinawa because there's a Marine U.S. Marine base there, and has been since World War II. Um, and you know, like a lot of kids growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, samurais were it. Um, I never really got into the anime thing. Um. So I'm not like um, obsessed with Japanese culture in that respect. Uh, I have a great respect for all cultures, uh, um, and you know, cultures are just cultures. They're not good for the most part. They're not good or bad. They're just what they are. Yeah. 
So anyway, so Okinawa has a great, uh, great, rich history and tradition, and, and I wanted to make a character who had a, you know, um, I've read Way of, the, Way of the Samurai, the Bushido book, like six times, because I love Codes of Honor. Um, there's something very appealing about a strict code of honor uh, to me, personally, as a man, you know, um, the idea that you, you help those who can't help themselves uh, at all times, you know, even if it's great risk to yourself it's why i joined the military uh so yeah so that's that's a lot of that why he's from okinawa um and you know and, you know uh i'm a north american kid you know i grew up in alaska uh, i don't know if you've ever been to alaska but you know who, what's who's in alaska no one no one's in alaska <laughs> <laughs> so um uh so uh, so i don't you know i don't always want to write about protagonists that are like me because I've lived with me my whole life. And uh, my first couple of books, that all the protagonists were women because I wanted to learn how to write women really well before I started writing men. Because I felt like writing men was sort of like, well, of course you know how to write men. You're a man. And I wanted to write women really well, so I wrote women protagonists for a while. And when I got the compliment of from a female reader who said, I had to check the cover to make sure that you were not a woman, I figured, mm. nailed it. you know. And uh, I try to respect the the characters and like who they are so to speak um with as much authenticity and veracity as i can gosh i sound like a uh literary fiction writer <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh but it's important you know it's 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 a yes. uh, it's important and it's uh, and it makes it authentic you know at the very least uh, none of the readers may pick up on any of that but at the very least in my mind while i'm writing it and 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 90 percent of the of 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 when you're writing a book, it is in your mind while you're writing it. You know, uh, those characters are real. Those people are real. And uh, it's part of a book series I never wrote that I wanted to write called Big Damn Heroes. And uh, I'd actually planned on writing it with a friend of mine that we met. We both met when we we both got published through Kindle uh, Kindle Scout. And uh, But it, it never happened. But I, I still write in it and still you know write short stories in it and stuff like that. Okay. And the hopes that one day that I will I will I will I will have time in my schedule to write a space opera with these great characters in this awesome universe that is essentially our universe, but tomorrow. Right. Uh, and you know, with people who are perpetually the underdogs like Mal and Serenity. Yeah. Well, we definitely appreciate you letting us have a peek into that universe. In, in, the, in this in, in this short story, I also um, love the name Big Damn Heroes. I just thought Big you know, Damn like, Heroes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a great name. But uh, what other projects uh, are you currently working on? Uh, I am book three into. I, I'm, I've got a three book series with Athon uh, Publishing that is uh, dominating my entire life right now. Uh, I'm almost done with it. I'm really close. I'm going to a conference in November called Twenty Books, and the publisher is going to be there, and I want to be done with it before I get there. Overall, it's like 360,000 words over three books, military sci-fi. Um, yeah, so it's the military sci-fi I've always wanted to write, and it, it just proven to be a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And so I'm uh, almost done, though. The, the end finish line is I just got to just eke it out over the edge. Right, right, right. And then, I can, uh, <laughs> and then I'll be free to do some other things that, I, that have been, you know, I got fans who have been really patient over the last two years of only getting two superhero novels in two years after getting like six a year for two years. <laughs> uh, and so I'm um, also, I opened up my universe to other people to write in if they want. And um, I'm not taking any of the, 
of the income. I'm just putting my name on the books and providing the covers and editing and stuff like that um, just to help people who are wannabe writers get their foot in the door. Uh, so, yeah. That's awesome. Amazing, amazing. Well, okay, Jeff. Well, where can people find you on the net? Um, I'm in a lot of places, mostly just Amazon, though. If you go to Amazon.com, type in Jeffrey H. Haskell, you'll get my uh, all my books. And if you like audiobooks, they're all available in audiobook, wherever audiobooks are sold. They're through Tantor Media, the second largest uh, creator of audiobooks in the world. And, of course, the ebooks and paperback books are available on Amazon. Okay, sounds very good. Well, Jeff, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for talking about the Butcher of Orson. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) on a foul stretch. But uh, folks, definitely be sure to check that one out in the Stories for Nerds Science Fiction and Fantasy Anthology Volume 1, which is now available on all major retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Thanks again, Jeff. Yay. Yay. Thank you.